Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to Cortez Sada Podcast once again. I'm Josh Shabanoff. He's the one and only Angel Ortega. Uh, sponsor, as always, this week, the amazing Rogue Energy. Go to the Leader in Energy Drinks. They have protein. They have everything you could possibly need. You get 10% off your order using the code SOUNDOFF at checkout. It's code SOUNDOFF at checkout for 10% of your energy needs. Amazing sponsor, as always, of the program. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about this week, my man. Uh, obviously, we got some UFC Vegas 39 to go over. UFC Vegas 40 to recap. Bellator, we're having a massive show. And then, obviously, we have to talk about arguably the greatest heavyweight fight in the very least the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, we'll go ahead and kick it off. UFC Vegas 39 from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Main event, Marina Rodriguez defeating Mackenzie Dern via unanimous decision. The score card 49-46 across the board. Angel, my man. Uh, obviously, this is a big test for Mackenzie Dern. We obviously knew that Rodriguez is good going in. Obviously, she's 14-1-2. But Dern, she won a couple of fights in a row, but we didn't know how complete she was as a fighter. If she could not get the fight to the ground, she struggled to get the fight to the ground. Ends up losing via an decision, like I said. What are your takeaways from both Rodriguez's win and also Dern moving forward in that division? I mean, we said that when we uh, had our little preview, man, I mean, we gave a lot of faith to her about how, you know, her striking had improved. She was a little bit more comfortable. But one of the issues she had overlying was wrestling, man. Her issue was she's good on the ground, but the issue is she can't get it to the ground as easily as she wants to. And against Rodriguez, who, you know, a solid striker in her own right, she did really good against getting, you know, defending the takedown, got taken down one time. And that was her worst round probably when she did get taken down. Outside of that, though, when she kept it on the feet, Rodriguez looked great. Striking was crisp. And she ended up winning it. And that was and we did that was her way to victory. Honestly, keeping it on the feet, avoiding the ground, you know, avoiding any takedowns and keeping it up for Dern. I mean, obviously, the striking was there. Obviously, she still makes some mistakes, still gets caught in some punches. She's not at that point where she can give one, take one, and get it to the ground. And still needs to prove upon it, but uh, I mean, you, you saw though once it got to the ground, she was in her, you know, she was in her wheelhouse. She looked comfortable. The issue is, mm-hmm. and her coaches even told her, "Hey, you need to get down to the ground again." But the issue is, she couldn't get it back to the ground again. Mm-hmm. And we knew this, you know, we we knew this. We gave her a lot of faith because she, you know, we thought it was gonna be over. And for a bit there, it could have looked like it was over. Didn't end up happening. One submission attempt out of her. Might have been some other some attacks, but one legitimate attempt, and didn't end up winning it. Right person won that night. Uh, you know, she's still a, a, a great contender in this division. Her her run is not over. She's got plenty of time and really hard for Rodriguez. I mean, all the signs were there. We all, we were just, uh, you know, and, and I thought about getting off the Dern hype train back when we were first talking about it. But everybody was so hard on it. I was like, oh, maybe I should write it too. But I was like, oh, I don't know. I think Rodriguez can do it because she mm-hmm. has good striking. Dern struggles to take the, the fight to the ground. But everybody seemed to be on the Dern train, man, and I, I stuck through it, too. I should have hopped off while I could have, but <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, as far as us hopping off the hype train, dude, I'm not, you don't really need to. Our picks are still killing it this year. I mean, yeah, uh, that no, you're not yeah. wrong about that, but I, I definitely – I mean, I thought sorry, I could have been right. I thought, I, you know, I thought I could have picked Rodriguez. Like I, I went against my what I thought was a good idea and mm. ended up working out, but it doesn't matter. It's all good. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a 50-50 fight going in, honestly. I was really debating picking, uh, and that's why the betting line was really, really close to cheating these two as well. I ended up siding with Dern, but like I said, I'm, I'm, you know, if you guys listen to the show, you probably earned a pretty penny off our picks this year. I'm 75-39-1. Angel, you're 73-41-1. One so we're, we've been killing it this year regardless what was the of the one? It was that Was that the... Uh, well, actually, it's actually two ones. There was the one draw, which I don't remember, and there was a one-no contest, which was Holland versus Dukakis. Oh, okay. It's not our fault. Yeah, no. So I don't know what the one draw is. I don't remember, but I'm sure you could probably go back and find it. Um, but yeah, dude, like that was a very close fight. I mean, I'll go ahead and give Mackenzie Dern props. This is it's important to remember, guys. Like she is, she was coming off of four wins in a row. She beat Nina Nunez, um, who's on a hell of a run before that. Vernon Janjaroba, all that stuff. She's still five years into MMA. She's only 28 years old. This is her first five-rounder. She's going up against somebody in her own right that is much bigger than her, 
has the massive striking advantage and was on a hell of a run her own right. I'm not disappointed in Mackenzie Jordan's performance. I thought that, like, I think the big thing for me was that third round. Round two, obviously, she got Rodriguez down. She made it to mount. She was going for a different type of submission attempts all night. Like, from, from that position, she had, like, five minutes of control time. I give that round a 10-8 to her. Round three, she seemed to come out and, like, take her foot off the gas after nearly getting the finish in round two. And I think that was honestly what led to her downfall. She only got the fight down to the ground one more time after that. And it was like a scramble within the last 15 seconds of round four. She couldn't get the fight back down there. Ultimately, goes on to lose. Um, as far as these two moving forward, I got to ask you, dude. So at the top of 115 right now, obviously, we have Whaley and Rhodes. You're going to have the rematch, um, which I think we're both relatively cool with. I thought we thought uh, Asparza probably should have gotten the title shot, but we both love Whaley on the show. Whaley's your girl. You've. I mean, Jesus Christ, you were the one that pretty much called her. You were the only person I know that thought Whaley Shane was going to be a champ back in, like, 2018. But regardless, um, Marina Rodriguez, obviously, she's won three fights in a row. This is a big win for her. Second win in a row in the main event, actually. Do you think that she should potentially skip the line in 115? Um, by that, I'm saying, do you think she should get the next title shot? She should fight Carlos Sparza next? Go ahead and matchmake for a minute. Who do you put Marina Rodriguez with? following that win on Saturday. I mean, obviously, I mean, it just, I'll tell you this. I think if Rose wins undisputedly, it should be a Sparza, right? Now, if Rose isn't to win and we got Wei Lee there, I feel like you have some president to do a Esparza Rodriguez, you know, content, number one contender match. Even though right now as it stands, it is Esparza, but with this, it'd be undisputed. Undisputed number one, no question about it. That person should win the title. Should be on the should be on the line to fight the title, you know. Uh, and like I said, in every scenario, Esparza is still in the mix, right? Rodriguez is the one who ends up missing out, which is fine because, like I said, I feel like Esparza deserves her chance. And I think it's mainly because Rose is in the mix. If Rose isn't in the mix, that kind of changes it a bit, you know what I mean? Because they fought each other. I mean, and she has one over her, you know. So I mean, that's a big thing. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. I think. If you're Mernia Rodriguez, if you're Carla Esparza, I think the big thing that you're hoping for is that Whaley does not win that rematch. Because if they win that rematch, I I mean, shit, I didn't agree with Whaley getting the immediate rematch anyway. I mean, I love Whaley, but I didn't necessarily agree with it 100%. If they if she wins that second fight, though, you're getting an automatic trilogy, my guy. Um, which, shit, you're right. I didn't even think about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's no way they can't do it. So, I mean, and at that point also, like, it, it'd be tough to deny because how are you going to give the immediate rematch to Whaley and not give it to Rose? So it's definitely a difficult situation. You just kind of booked themselves into a corner there. And then if Whaley loses, then she's not a viable contender at 115 anymore and she'll probably have to move up or do something else. So I never liked that rematch off the jump. Like I thought they could have built to it, have one more fight in between. But regardless, uh, for Marine Rodriguez, I think that you're probably just going to wait to see that fight play out. But dude, if Whaley wins, you got to have a Sparza go against Rodriguez because at that point you'd have two viable contenders just sitting on the shelf and that's not a you got to keep that division movement mm-hmm. um co-main event this one's a little bit of a weird one I don't think we're gonna spend a whole lot of time on it just because it was a uh, kind of a weird fight first off Jaron Gooden missed weight for this one comes in three pounds over and then I he gets 30 27 by Randy Brown Randy this is not a very entertaining fight either particularly because Randy Brown actually fucked up his toe in round one yeah. um by cooking kicking him in the face he fought uh, through it, though, bro. He did fight through it. The action did you know, kind of trend down a little bit after that. What are your thoughts on Randy Brown? And particularly, this is a guy that he was very, very young coming into the UFC. He's 31 now. He's won four of his last five fights. All of them have been very dominant with the sole loss being to Luke. What are your thoughts on him moving forward in the division? A lot of potential still, man. A lot of potential. Just because you get those losses early on doesn't mean you don't, you don't get a bright future ahead of you. You know, you still got plenty of time. Piling up the wins he needs to. He lost to Luke, who's in an amazing position right on division. I mean, they, he's, he's in that mix, man. He's in those names now. And uh, especially with that win over Michael Kessel, man, I mean, it's 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 amazing, honestly, for him. So definitely, uh, you know, it it's the the guy that he lost to was a good good guy, you know. So he should not feel any sort of, any sort of way about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. And honestly, for a guy like Jared Goodman, what a what a wasted opportunity. I mean, I mean, obviously, I don't have any inside information, but got to figure this guy's gonna be gone after this one, right? I mean, he's lost three of his last four, um, and ultimately he missed weight for this one too. So pretty disappointing. That's a guy that like I didn't have high hopes for coming in, but he really he took the long way to get there, and he kind of just 
he did not do a whole lot with the opportunity. But as far as Randy Brown, dude, I love to see it. Like I said, this guy that came into the UFC very, very young. I mean, we get, we don't really he's one of those guys didn't really think about it. But he's been in the UFC since you know almost six years at this point. Six years in January, came in at seven and zero. Um, and he had some rough fights in there, dude, but he's finally starting to put it together. And even his losses aren't bad either. I mean, Luke A, Price, Muhammad, and Michael Graves. Uh, Michael Graves, the name that sticks out, but even then, he's a fucking 10-1. and one. Um, So, and he, he's a very good guy in his own right. So, yeah, Randy Brown, I'd love to see, love to see him doing the turnaround. As far as the rest of this card goes, man, I actually thought it was a lot of fun, particularly those prelims, though. Uh, what are some of the other fights you want to go and highlight from this one? I mean, man, like you said, the, there were some prelims in there that uh, ended up providing for us. And, uh, I mean, right right at the start, man, uh, Steve, Steve Garcia came out quick KO, man. Just, you know, early, early on, he got it. I know that was, uh, you know, obviously opening up the card, you know, and maybe not a big name, but still made a good performance. And following it up, Lupita Gunita's got the girls. When I go, Miss Juarez and her, and her UFC debut, man, caught her in an armbar. So first round, another one. Good for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did you highlight it straight off the top? I whenever I brought that fight up, I didn't bring it. Didn't I didn't necessarily think it was gonna be like a great fight. But Steve Garcia and Charlie Ontiveros came to fucking bang, dude. I cannot shout believe that fight. Shout out to those guys. I can't believe that fight did not win fight of the night. If you guys didn't watch it, which I'm sure you didn't, because wait, what <laughs> one fight of the night then? Uh, Rodriguez versus Dern. Bro, I didn't agree with it at all. But if you guys didn't watch, Charlie Ontiveros. Nearly went the fight like 11 seconds in with a fucking what was it? Was it a crescent kick? Crescent kick, I think. Or I, uh, either a crescent kick or an axe kick. I don't entirely remember. Um, he knocks down T. Garcia. Nearly gets the finish. T. Garcia reverses it, gets him out, ends up like blooding him up. He has so much blood going into his hair by the end of round one that his blonde hair looks entirely red. Comes out. Ontiveros knocks him down again to start the second. Garcia recovers, gets to finish like a minute and a half later. It was like seven minutes of fucking fury. Insane fight between two dudes that like really needed it badly. Good luck. Um, obviously, Damon Jackson, Charles Rosa, that was a fight, dude. I don't know if you saw that one. Damon Jackson like lost at least seven pints of blood in, in that one. Holy fuck. Um, and I, I remember I, I put something on Twitter about like my favorite thing in fighting is whenever guys will go out and like – They'll clearly get fucked up, and I'm I'm sure you've seen this before. But it's like they'll go out there, they'll get nearly knocked out, they'll have blood everywhere. And the post fight, they'll they'll ask him, and they'll be like, "So what what happened during that whole sequence?" Like, oh, you know, I felt fine. You know, I, I got hit a little bit there, but I felt mm-hmm. I felt good. You know, I felt good. And then like Damon Jackson goes out, he's clearly winning the fight. Round three, Charles Rosa spinning back elbow. He's a fucking waterfall for the next five minutes. I can't believe they did not stop this fight because all the blood on the mat. Throughout that entire night, that was all Damon Jackson's that he lost in the span of five minutes. He was a water faucet, dude. Like, Holy fuck. you could he- you could hear like not you cannot hear, but the ringside they were talking about it. They're like you can smell how much blood it is. Like he had to like we have ten pints of blood, I believe, in the human body. He at least lost about four of them. Like, <laughs> like it was bad. A dying state by then. I, I, how much it is. I, I know you can lose. I know you can lose quite a bit. I forgot how much it is. I know I should know this, but I know you can lose quite a bit. You can lose a whole lot. But, yeah, I'm legitimately surprised they didn't stop it, dude. Like, it was bad. Um, but, you know, shout out Alexander Romanov. He got a nice win. He's a rare heavyweight prospect, still undefeated. I didn't like the matchmaking in that one, but they did it anyway. Uh, he got a nice TKO. And then I got to give it up, Maria Agapova. I've hyped this girl up for at least three years at this point, at least. Um, she had a great run in Invicta. She goes to the UFC. She did murders Hannah Cyphers, and then she ends up breaking her leg, loses to Shayna Dobson. I mean, that's not why she lost the fight, but she did end up breaking her leg during the fight against Shayna Dobson. Um, and losing via TKO, and literally the biggest odds-wise, like, obviously, Sarah, GSP, Bisping Rockle, too. Those are bigger in terms of consequence. Pure betting odds, it was the biggest upset in UFC history, losing to Shayna Dobson. Um, and then she was a uh, she was a big underdog one in this one against Sabina Mazo. Mazo's a very very good fighter, and she just got murked in there, dude. Like that was not even close. Maria Agapo put it on her for three rounds, ended up getting the tap out. Hell of a win by her. Very very proud of my girl Maria Agapova. Uh, as far as that card goes, that was a fun one. That was a fun one. 
this Saturday night, man, UFC Apex, once again, uh, we're having to work through these cards to get to the big pay-per-views at the end of the month and the start of the month. Hey, man, it's just all good after this. It's It's all good. It's all, dude, next week's main event on paper, I really hope nothing happens. They should make it there. It's going to happen. I feel like they would have already started fumbling by now. Maybe, dude, but goddamn, what a main event. But as far as this week, um, obviously this main event was supposed to be Holly Holm against Norma Dumont. Hall, at 145, I should say, because Norma is one of the seven 145ers they have on roster. And I'm, I'm sure if that's seven, I might be adding one or two extra. Um, obviously, Holly ends up getting injured. And who do they call on one-week notice? Aspen Ladd. Yes, in case you're listening and you forgot, Aspen Ladd seemingly looked dead on the scale on October 1st. She waited at 137, a missed weight for her fight against Macy Chasson. She was literally shaking on the scale uh but despite that they went ahead and decided yeah. that they're going to go ahead and give her one more shot at 145 up a weight class um so hopefully she makes it let's hope the fight doesn't get canceled nothing's guaranteed but she's not the only one doing it on less than a week notice josh what do you mean because lupita goditas is also doing it on less than a one week notice oh my like god Look, days. Let, did you even talk, know this you know I, I forgot i forgot let's talk about that loopy is back <laughs> I didn't even know about that until Loopy's back on one week night. notice after murking a poor girl. Like that fight wasn't even her clo- close. Her fight last week. She's stepping in against Luyan Carolina. What it's a time fucking to, savage! Time to get paid, man. That's what it really is. Honestly, good for her. If she wins that, she would actually make history. She would do it faster than Cosma. Cosma turned around oh, and fought. Shit. Yeah, that'd be the record if if uh, if she wins. How many days? Cosma did it ten days. Who would it be for her? How many days Seven. would that be? That's pretty badass. I kind of hope she does it because I don't think anybody can break seven days. It literally be, it would have to be a Saturday to Wednesday card, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. And even then, I don't know if anybody could physically do that. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, this is about I, this is the rare circumstance where it can actually happen because I don't think she took a single strike against the girl that she was fighting last Saturday, whose name is escaping me, but um, Silviana Gomez Juarez. And I thought that fight was going to actually be pretty fun. And then she should yeah. immediately went in and murked her. So I don't think she even took a single punch. So um, this is the rare circumstance where it can happen. And I, you know what? Luiana Carolina is a very good fighter, but I think this might be the circumstance where it happens, dude. I think, I think I honestly favor Loopy in that one. But good luck to her. Good luck to her. Yeah. I mean, it's back, back to, back to the main event, just back to the, Back to the part we're supposed to be talking about right now. But, yeah, um, as of right now, this fight is booked. Aspen Ladd, Norma Dumont, uh, both these girls have had weight issues. Norma missed a couple of different times. That's why she's at 145. Um, and then, obviously, like I mentioned earlier, Aspen, yeah, she, you know, she's made it before. She's had a fight called off before. Uh, she's missed before. So she's now fighting at 145 as well. Uh, I'll just go ahead and put this one out there, man. Before we even do the pick, what is your interest level in this fight? This is a very cobbled together event. Uh, it looked like for a while there we might have an Andre Arlovsky made event <laughs> in 2021. Um, but yeah, what is your level of uh, anticipation for this one? I saw, I see some people now. Some people say this all the time, but some people are saying this is the worst uh, main event for a fight night in history. No, I think we've had worse that have been done on last time for sure. <laughs> uh, you know. I'm, I just got interested in it because Aspen Ladd got into the mix, honestly. Um, she got into the mix. I thought that, for me, that's what kind of brought me back. I think if it would have been Arlovski, Carlos Felipe, I would have actually been a little less interested. I'm not going to lie to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when I do, you know, let me some Arlovski, Carlos Felipe, obviously all right guy, but, you know, I feel like he has his limitations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll see that. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's mainly what it is. I mean, it, it, I'll, I'll watch it. I, th- I they, Like I said, they put me back a little bit. I'm going to see how Aspen Ladd does up a weight class because, I mean, you know, obviously she won't have to worry about such a major weight cut and uh, see if she comes out and performs on a, a short notice and kind of rallies back for her fans and for the UFC a little bit. She doesn't have to do it, but she's, she's deciding to do it. Mm. Yeah, and I think I see some people are like, oh, she's getting rewarded with a main event. I'm like, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think – if you're willing to fight somebody on, you know, a week's notice, it is what it is at that point. Um, they needed a main event badly, and I thought whenever, like, when I first heard Holly dropped out, I'm like, oh, shit. Either we're getting our last game main event, or I think Aspen Ladd's going to step in there. Aspen's game, dude. I mean, I watched some of the interviews leading up to her last fight, and 
the was the one that was canceled. I mean, she's like she was talking about how like she needs a fight. She has not fought since like 2019, October 2019, somewhere around there, um, against uh, Yana Kuniskaya, I believe. She's like, I need I need the cash. I need to get in there. I need to get back to normal. I need to go fighting again. And obviously that fight fell out. So I'm not surprised she stepped up on the short notice for this one. Norma Dumont is a very, very tough girl, a very, very tough girl. I know she's had a couple of nice wins in a row. Um, obviously against she murked Ashley Evan Smith. I, that was just a 30, I believe they're like a 30-26, something completely dominant. Um, and then she obviously beat Felicia Spencer as well. This one's close on the betting line. Um, but who are you leaning towards on Saturday night? Aspen Ladder or Norma Dumont? The Aspen Ladder gets it done, man. I think with not such a big of a weight cut, I know she's coming off a weight cut, but a tough one. But I think she's going to come in, be rehydrated, be in a good state, feel good, want to get in the mix, hungry, and she wants that victory. I think she's she's got the right mindset. She has a, she has the tools. We know that. We know what she's capable of. And, uh, you know, she got pushed a little early on in her career against, uh, you know, Jermaine when that happened, I think. But uh, I think here she should – I mean, this is this is the kind of fighter she should be beating. You know, mm-hmm. so I think she'll get it done. Yeah, and honestly, I've always thought it's a little bit stupid that um, Aspen had not moved up until now. I mean, she's been, she's not moving up; she's being forced to move up. So let's go ahead and say that. But I've always thought it's a little bit stupid um, because here's the thing: at 135 and 145, women's for 145. I mean, you're legitimately in the position where you need to fight one time, and you're getting a title shot, maybe one. I mean, you're. I mean. Norma Dumont, this is her second fight. The winner of this is getting a title shot. Historically, we've seen it. Megan Anderson needed two. Felicia need, Spencer needed one. Like, if you win one or two fights, you're there. And one, women's 135, I, we talked about on the show before, it's not a bad division. It's just that Amanda Nunes is so much better than the competition. Like, the top women there are pretty fucking good. I mean, Jermaine, Jermaine Durand, I mean, Aspen Lab, we talk about Holly Holm, Misha Tate, Juliana Pena, um, Caitlin Vieira. There's a bunch of very, very Irene Aldana. There's a bunch of very, very good women there. So I'm not sure why she she chose to try to walk through hell and nearly die on the scale multiple times before moving up to 145. Um, but yeah, dude, as far as this fight goes, I I like Norma Dumont a lot. I like her skill set a lot. I think she's very, very underrated. Um, but I think this is Aspen last time, dude. I mean, I've been on I've been on that train for a while. She's still very, very young. I think that's very, very important to note. When it comes to her development, I think she's still she's 26, dude. I mean, she like she's gonna figure out stuff like her weight, her fighting style. She could tell that like she's still not fully there sometimes in terms of like going for the finish or stuff like that. And sometimes her coaches need to wake her up like they did for the Yana fight. Um, she's still nine and one. I think she's gonna get this one done. I think will she get a title shot next? I don't know. Um, Either she gets a title shot next. I mean, obviously, it all depends on what Nunes does in her fighting against July Pena. God, I mean, God forbid she loses that. But Aspen may be in line for a title shot if she wins this fight, depending on if they actually want to make the Shevchenko trilogy with Nunes. But that's conversation for another day. Um, co-main event time, though. I mentioned it earlier. Andre Arlovsky, Carlos Felipe. This one's a very even matchup. Arlovsky is 42 and he's still doing the damn thing, dude. I mean, he's won three of his last four fights. His only loss to Tom Aspinall, who's one of the greatest prospects at heavyweight right now. Just he's been running through dudes. Talking Carlos Felipe, who in his own right is a very, very good prospect. This is a guy that he started off, he lost the majority decision to Sergey Spivak on Fight Island, turns right back around. He's won three fights in a row. Very, very important matchup for both these guys. Arlovsky still is the gatekeeper of that division for the top 15. Uh, who do you got in the co-main slot? I got Andre Arlovsky, man. I think this is the kind of guy who, who he should be beating, man. I mean, he 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 beat Chase Sherman last time out. Uh, he beat Tanner Bozer, Felipe Lenz. Obviously, had a Tam Ospinall loss in between. But this is the kind of guys he should be beating, guys on the lower end of the heavyweight weight class. Look, I know Carlos Felipe has had some pretty pretty good performance against you know some guys but you got to look at who they are against i mean he he came in lost to sergey sergey spivak majority decision after that be jorgen castro which like as much as we love jorgen obviously jorgen is limited uh obviously being smaller doesn't help justin Taffa, another split decision or a split decision you know another guy that i think you should be beating if you're on that lower to mid end of, of the of the heavyweight class trying to get into the ranking Another split decision against Jake uh, Collier. I mean, 
once again, he's kind of getting by, too. But against Andre Arlovsky, I don't know if he's going to be able to get by. You know what I mean? Andre Arlovsky is still getting legitimately good wins in guys like Felipe Lenz, Tanner Bozer, and Chase Sherman, who I think could beat a guy like Carlos Felipe. Yeah, entirely. I mean, Arlovsky, I mean, like like you said, if Felipe keeps on edging these guys out, and he's a good record, and he has some good names now on his record just by virtue of he keeps on edging them out. Arlovsky is a guy that Felipe's game is kind of predicated based off of being the bigger guy, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to draw this dude in, and we're going to fucking bang, bro. Like, if you've watched his last few fights, he's just swinging and banging. And as a fan of – as a just bang, bleed – as a just bleed – as a just bleed fan, I love <laughs> it. I, just bleed, bro. But – that being said, Arlovsky is we don't he does not get enough props, but like he's a guy that has gone from being a Felipe type where he's just like I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna fucking bang. I'm gonna go out, I'm going out on my shield or I'm a he's going out on his. That's way that's the way that Arlovsky used to be, man. But he's really kind of turned the corner. His last, I'm gonna say probably six, seven fights, he's like, nah, I'm gonna go in there, I'm gonna be tactical. If he catches me, he catches me, but I'm gonna do my best to fucking not let that happen. Let me tell you and this. Yeah. There's a there's a world where he has Felipe Lance, Tanner Bozer, Tom Aspinall, Chase Sherman all as a straight wins, and he would win this, and he'd be on a actually like on a five fight winning streak, which sounds kind of insane at at 42 years of age. Oh no, yeah. it goes, it, dude, it goes deeper than that. Like, oh yeah, okay. no, you could go back. I mean, well, Yarzino, he got caught immediately into that fight, so you know, do with what you want with that one, but like. Rothwell, he dominated. Augustus Kai, that's like legit. If you look up MMA decisions, that's legitimately one of the most disputed decisions of all time. I don't think there's a single person that thought Sakai won a round, let, a round, let alone the fight. Um, and then Walt Harris, that was another fight that like most people thought that Arlovsky won. And you know, obviously he ended up losing via split decision, got overturned because of USADA thing. And then tied to – you can go back even further. Tied to Ivasa. That was another decision a lot of people thought Arlovsky won. There's like a very real world where like – Arlovsky, dude, like he's he's still I mean, he's still legit, but you know what I mean? Like he's has a lot more wins than what he currently has. So um I don't believe I said my pick, um, but I am actually going to officially pick Andre Arlovsky to get this one done, man. I think he's not gonna get draw drawed into the brawl. I think that we saw, like I mentioned earlier, Carlos Lupe's last few opponents have really gotten drawn in. Jake Collier, Justin Toff, they're like, you know what, dude, let's let's brawl, dude. We're heavyweights. That's what we do. That's not what Arlovsky's been doing, man. He's going to stick on the outside. He's going to use his jab. He's going to stay back on the back foot, let you come forward. He's going to pop you with the right, overhand with the left. Like, he, like Arlovsky's boxing is still very, very slick, man. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him. I think he's probably just going to outpoint him. I don't think it will be the most technical fight. Probably not. Um, but, dude, I, I still love that Arlovsky's out here, like, at the age of 42, and he's still doing the damn thing, and he's still doing it at a very high level that we as a lot of fans don't really give him enough props for. Um, as far as the rest of the card goes, man, what are some of the other fights you want to go and highlight? I mean, we gotta we got to always highlight this man whenever he's fighting men. He's, he's a legend of the game. Jim Miller, man, once again coming in, welcoming in. You've seen newcomer Eric Gonzalez. I'm surprised they're kind of welcoming Eric Gonzalez with, I guess, Jim Miller. I don't know. It's a weird fight to kind of throw out a guy who's just coming into the UFC, a guy who's really experienced, who I'd say is still pretty competitive. You know what I mean? I mean, he's not beating the ranked guys, but he's still a competitive guy in, in the mix. You know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting move. Um, I'll say as much, man. Like, Jim Miller is a very, very, very – he's in such a weird place. Just whenever I think Jim Miller's done, and, like, he's had – like, in my head, I can probably at least three or four times, I look at Jim Miller, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's done. And then the motherfucker will just turn around and somehow win a fight or two, and then he's right back in there. Like, this is, this is an interesting – this is interesting matchmaking, like you said. Um, I like – I think it's going to be a fun fight, but it is very interesting matchmaking. But, you know, honestly, I like this main card a lot. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I mean, we have um, – I always mess up her name. So, Angel, why don't you go ahead and give her, her – give it a shot. Um, the girl that's going against Maria Bueno Silva. Man, Furo? 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 Mm-hmm. We've heard it a few times. I'm pretty we, sure it's, it's, 
Uh, she's French, so it really fucks me up. Uh, you think I took like six years? Yeah, just say Josh. You took fucking French. Like, shouldn't you know the pronunciation I, for some of these? Uh, here's the like, thing. I, I've told this to people when they ask me, like, don't Josh, don't you know French? Like, dude, I focused. I took four years of French. Um, I focused in French for maybe one year, and then I coasted off of that one year for the next four. Like, people were in the fourth year of French class. People were we were reading novels and shit. And I'm just like, I don't know what we're reading. Like, <laughs> um, and I'm just, and people are trying to do, they're like, right. They're like saying super long sentences, having full conversations. And I'm just over here like, uh, wait, wait, were there people in high school, like when you were in that class that legitimately went off, like actually had like, pretty good, decent French in your class? There were, there were a couple people that I was friends with in there that like, yeah, they had very good French. And it pissed me off because like, um, yeah, it just I'm like, how do you do that, dude? Like, how do you fucking like, how do you first of all, how do you focus in school? And second of all, how do you focus enough to actually learn a language? And there were multiple people like there are people that I was friends with that like, dude, I like I there is the funniest the funniest story I have is um we're getting really off topic, but it's not this, this is not a deep card. It's not a, there's no deep cuts on this one. So I feel comfortable telling the story. But like, Angel, I think you'll find this funny. Senior year, French class. We're about to do the final. The final is actually talking to the teacher and having like a full blown conversation. And I go and I sit down and I and I say to the teacher, I'm like, I start talking and I'm like, never mind, never mind, never mind. And I get up and I walk away and I'm like, I need I need to rethink what I'm gonna say to them. And I go and I talk to my friend and she just gives me an entire script, like just like of what to say. And I'm like, got this shit down. And by the way. This conversation, me talking, it, it's two feet away from the teacher. Teacher clearly sees what I'm doing. I go sit down. I give it a whole rehearsed speech. I got a fucking A on that shit. Let's go. I still don't know what I said to this day, by the way. So, oh that yeah, true. that's – so I have no idea how to pronounce this woman's name, but I'm going to give it a shot. Menon Fellow, maybe? Mm, I think that's pretty solid. I think, I think that's solid, man. I think that's pretty solid. Anyway, she's, she's fucking legit. She is very good. She's a killer. Um, she is the rare MMA fighter, like women's wise, that has a lot of power, dude. Um, just based off her two fights in the UFC, she has two knockout wins um, against pretty decent girls. Uh, uh, Tab- excuse me, Tabitha Ricci was undefeated going in. Victoria Leonardo was in. Invicta was good for a while there. Um, and she has a bunch of other knockout wins in UAE Warriors, stuff like that, dude. And she's taking on Maria Bueno Silva. Only loss is to Mario Moroz. Uh, that was a fight of the night back in 2020 um, on the first COVID card. So, yeah, dude, that's going to be a very, very fun fight. And then obviously also on the main card, Julian Marquez versus Jordan Wright. Dude, that's a that's a banger. That's a banger right there, man. I don't want to say anything is, you know, fight of the night, an automatic one. Never Nate Landwehr is on the card. But, dude, Julian Marquez he's never been in a boring fight, you know, like he's, he's never, ever been in a boring fight. I want to say like of his UFC fights, he's had either a fight of the night and performance bonus in every single one of them. Um, so shout out to the Cuban missile crisis from, from KC. So, shout and then also in, in, in Jordan Wright, uh, I don't want to call him a prospect cause I don't think that's entirely accurate, but he's a young talent. Okay. He's 30. He's 31. He's a talent. Yeah, he's a talent. I'll just put it like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> had, to, had to switch it up a couple times there. Nice, nice. Yeah, but dude, he uh, he's obviously 12-1. and one. Um, His only loss to Joaquin Buckley. Technically, he lost to Anthony Hernandez, uh, but obviously he tested positive for the marijuana, so that one got overturned. Can't yeah. have people in the devil's lattice in the cage, can we, Angel? No. Most, uh, most, most dangerous performance enhancing drug. It really is. Yeah, but here's the thing. Every single one of Jordan Wright's fights have ended via finish. Every single one. He's either getting knocked out or he's doing some killing himself. So this is going to be this is going to be a banger, man. Um, yeah, the main card, I think, is a lot, a lot of fun. A um, couple of deep cuts on there, you know, not really. But uh, <laughs> prelims, not as good. Andrew Sanchez is back. I'm a fan of him. Nate Landwehr is back. And uh, shout out to Brandon Davis. Underrated story on the card. This is a guy that obviously years ago, and I'm sure you've heard the name. He was on one of the first seasons of Contender Series. Mm-hmm. Might have been on the first season, actually. Um, got a contract, had a couple of nice fights, and he beat Steven Peterson, Randy Costa. Um, I know he fought to the beat on like super short notice. 
Uh, he got cut from the UFC after losing a split decision to Giga. Turns right back around and wins four fights on the regional scene. Most of which, by the way, I believe he won those four fights in the span of 11 months. Turns right back around and now he's back in the UFC. He's fighting on this card. So shout out Brandon Davis. Making the return back. You never see that, dude. You never, ever see a guy get cut, go to the regional scene, and then come back. It never happens. But yeah. As far as this card goes, man, is there anything else we want to touch on before we close out on that one? No, man. I mean, it has some bangers in there. It has potential. That's why I said it's not It's not the worst fight uh, card of the, of the year. We've definitely had worse. And like I said, from here on out, bangers. Fucking mm. bangers. And I mean, it's not it's not it, though, Josh. There's more. There is more. Great segue. That's normally my job, man. Um, Bellator 268. If we're being completely honest here, this is the better card of the weekend, especially yes. if we're talking main co-main. Um, obviously, the main event, Vadim Nemkov, really supposed to be facing Anthony Rumble Johnson, pulls out. Now stepping in is the fifth ranked. Julius Angelikis, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Maybe I'm wrong, but he's still an excellent guy in his own right. 10-1 fighting out of St. Charles, Missouri. Um, I believe he is 3-0 in Bellator. I believe he won a fight the Contender Series. A very, very underrated guy, but he's taking on Vadim Nemkov. Fedor's protege, 14-2. He's been murking dudes left and right. Phil Davis, Ryan Bader, Rafael Cavallo, Liam McGeary, so on and so forth. He's a bad man, okay? Co-main events, also in the same Grand Prix. Ryan Bader, Corey Anderson, battle of the former UFC vets. Bader, still the heavyweight champ, looking to reclaim his light heavyweight world title going through the year, going through the tournament, trying to meet Nemkov one more time. Corey Anderson, I mean, there's levels to this, okay? He, he leaves the UFC after losing to Jan Bohovic, turns right back around, gets two TKO wins to start his Bellator career, including killing Melvin Manhoff, which really made me sad for a few days there. Um, but, dude, here we go. Two amazing fights on Bellator 268 on October 16th, this Saturday. He's going head-to-head against the UFC. Let's start off with that main event, dude. Nemkov, Angelikas. Do you think he's going to be able to pull off the upset? Do you think Nemkov just rolls? I think Nemkov's going to get through to it. Let me tell you this, though. It doesn't mean that you lose Angelikas. Julius Angelikas can't win this fight. He is a very talented individual himself. Very lean. Very strong, but there could be some cardio issues there because he's carrying so much mass. On top of that, good striking. Can can be functional on the ground. Obviously, Vadim, I think at this point, the more rounded, more well-rounded fighter fully. Like I think he has his full roundness at this point as a fighter. Good conditioning. Obviously, very disciplined. Great coach behind him. Great team behind him. And obviously, he's, he has the names. He has the resume at this point. Uh, I think the thing with Anglicus, he's just been missing kind of fighting those guys who are kind of on the higher end of the light heavyweight, you know, Bellator division, even outside of Bellator. Because, you know, the Demon had fought in those uh, Rising Grand Prix and fought in Rising and took it on guys who are now in uh, in Bellator that came through that and guys who are now in the UFC from, that came from Rising and other promotions. So he has the credibility. He has the wins. He has, he has the belt. I mean, it's just if you know, Julius Anglicus comes out and gets that victory. I don't know if he'll be able to do it. I got Vadim, but I think he'll put up a good performance. And I think it's a banger. If I, obviously, we would have had a rumble here, but he's going through some serious health issues. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, uh, on the topic of rumble, we obviously don't know what those health issues are. Don't really want to speculate. But based off of what I've – what he's talked about, it's it does not look good. So, obviously – Enough not to fight. Yeah. Thoughts, thoughts go out to rumble. Um, but, yeah. Dude, this is an excellent fight. Like I said, I am going to go with Nemkov, though. I like that you mentioned uh, some of that. He obviously, he's known in Bellator for his current run, but, like, dude, he fought in the Rising Grand Prix, and I really think that did, um, his stint in Rising did a lot for him. I think he learned that, like, there's a lot he needs to work on. Him going through a war with Yuri, going, losing and facing guy like Carl Albertson, uh, Albertson, excuse me, was a lot for him, and he's been able to improve he was still very, very young at that time. Do you even know how he, he lost was... that fight, the Yuri fight? How how he lost, you said? Yeah. Oh, it, it's just a banger of a fight. I recommend you look it up. It before... But you know how he lost, right? It was via exhaustion. He couldn't yeah. get up. Yeah. Which makes sense, because it's a 10-minute fight, fight, like, first yeah. round. Yeah. And also, that was, that was, I mean, that's one of those fights that, like, you're, I love fights like that. It's like, whenever these two, it's two young dudes that you're not really sure how good they are. 
And then they obviously go out and they we see later on in their career how good of a fight that was at the time. You understand what I'm kind of saying there? Yeah. And how yeah. where they're at now? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking, fucking Butler would love these guys. Yeah, entirely. So, um, yeah, man. So, Nemkov, I think that did a lot for him. It's important to note, like, he was so young, dude. I believe he was 23, 24 when he was in that tournament going against monsters. Um, and I believe that's, like, the tournament that King Mo won in the end. So, I know, right? What the fuck? <laughs> King, hey, at that time, King Mo was a bad man. I mean, I was King Mo was a bad man for a long time, but like, whenever he crashed, he crashed as hard as I've ever seen any other MMA fighter, dude. He like he he didn't just lose. He got knocked out in like five straight fights. Not a single one was close. He got not he got knocked out by a guy with like not even a Wikipedia page. Like he, it was it was rough for him, dude. Um. But anyways, back to Nemkov real quickly. Yeah, I'm going to go and take him, dude. I just think when it comes to the top level, uh, Julius because he doesn't have the type of experience that Nemkov has. Nemkov's been fighting straight-up killers. And that doesn't mean that you're immune from losing, but you've been, you know, iron, sharp, uh, excuse me, iron sharpens iron. And I haven't seen enough from Angelique to feel comfortable making the pick. So I'm going to take Nemkov. For me, co-main events is, uh, damn, dude, this one's really hard to pick. Obviously, Ryan Bader, Corey Anderson, like I mentioned earlier, Bader, for both former UFC guys. That's pretty much, you know, the kind of the story there. But Bader, really, I mean, if you're talking like pure accomplishments within Bellator, he's probably the like behind Pitbull. He's probably the second greatest based off of accomplishments of Bellator alone. The Bellator go like heavyweight champ, light heavyweight champ. Beat uh, King Mo, Linton Vassell, Phil Davis, Mitch Rion, Fedor, Machida, like so many of these other dudes. His only loss is the Nemkov, which he's trying to avenge by going through this tournament. And Corey Anderson, dude, I mean, by the way, I forgot to mention, but you're still the heavyweight champion, which feels weird because he hasn't fought there for forever. Um, But Corey Anderson, dude, the younger guy, but like, dude, this is such an interesting fight for me. Like, what what are your feelings for this one? It, it's it's weird because obviously these guys have trained together. They know something we don't. I've tried to look around, see if there's any kind of talk of the team. It's like, you know, yeah, Ryan used to be the shit out of Corey, or Corey used to be the shit out of Ryan in training. Haven't been able to find anything. I don't know if you have. But it, that's the thing, though, with these guys. They know who's winning those rounds. And it's been years, right? It's been a while since they've trained. That's the thing, too. Uh, but, uh, you know, now we're here. It's been a long time. They found each other again now in, 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 in Bellator in this tournament. And, uh, this, it's, it's time for the conclusion. I mean, I, I, I kind of want to turn it back to you and see what your pick's going to be and if you have any kind of uh, deeper thoughts on that or or if you've heard anything about uh, them when they were training. Mm. Yeah, I mean, as far as hearing stuff about them training, I have not heard a single thing. I know they're training together, like you said, but I have not really heard about, like, who got the better of who. Nothing like that. Um, as far as my pick, dude... I have loved the way Corey Anderson's looked lately, man. I really have. As much as I'm a fan of Ryan Bader, part of me wonders if he should just make the permanent move to heavyweight. You can see that like, he's a really, really big light heavyweight dude. Um, I remember reading somewhere that he had issues, like a lot of issues actually making him an MCOB fight because of how much weight he had to cut after not cutting for so long. Because, you know, he took like three years off from light heavyweight. And before he went back, obviously, to fight Nemkov and now going into the World Grand Prix, um, I think that's going to play a role. I also just think, dude, Corey Anderson, like, I don't know if he's better than Bader on the feet. I think Bader probably has the edge in power. I'm not sure if he does a light heavyweight. We knew at heavyweight he had power, but I'm not sure about light heavyweight. Corey Anderson, dude, it seems like he's kind of figured out, like, his place. Uh, Corey Anderson was a really weird place coming into the UFC because he was just a very, very raw talent. Uh, he had the wrestling. He had the grappling. But you, you can tell – I'm not sure if he had the confidence. He obviously didn't have the talking ability. He, didn't, he wasn't really good at selling himself. And, yeah, I feel like he was kind of had more like – he was very rough in the stand-up, stuff like that. He wasn't really sure how to – how can I phrase this? How to chain wrestle, put things together. I feel like he's kind of worked on that a lot. And, dude, he's had one loss – in the last three years, that was a Jan Blachowicz, who I'm not sure if you noticed, one of the greatest fighters on the planet right now. He like, and during that stretch, he has not like he hasn't even been competitive with any other guy besides Jan. 
Um, he dominated Patrick Cummins. He dominated Glover, which, dude, that's a crazy win in hindsight. Like, he's like 30-26 Glover to share. That fight wasn't even competitive. He beats Aaliyah, and Aaliyah was about to get a title shot at that time. Aaliyah had come off to, like, just beating OSP. He, I mean, he stops the hype train. He knocks out Johnny Walker. He obviously loses the young, goes to Bellator, and then back-to-back knockout wins against Mela Manhoff and Yager Mashirov. So I'm I'm leaning toward Corey Anderson, dude. I really think that, like, I'm not sure if – I think the UFC probably didn't make much of a run at keeping him, and I feel like he's had a massive chip on his shoulder partially because of how he was treated on his exit. Um, and then also just people like constantly kind of dogging on him. And I think he's going to take, he takes a lot of that stuff to heart, dude. And I think he's going to go out there and it's going to make a really big statement in a win over Vader. But how do you feel? I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the same page, man. I'm on the same page. I think Corey's found his home. He's fighting the way he wants to fight. And I mean, Ryan, you know, for what it's worth, like you said, it looks better at heavyweight is a little older. It's been a while since they're training against each other. Maybe he, you know, they, have some sort of misconception about each other one way or the other whoever it may be and how they'll perform but uh hey man i think it's i think Corey anderson is going to come out and perform i want to pick bader but i think i think it's going to be the Corey anderson show mm. i think the final is going to be nemkov versus uh anderson yeah which by the way is not what i would have picked to start um, i would i'm i mean i picked nemkov win the whole fucking thing but i like yeah that side of the bracket a little bit surprised that uh, we're kind of in line honestly with with Corey both you know having the same matchup but dude i am very very i i love this dude beltor they got a lot of balls going head to head against usc on saturday but dude if there's a card for them to do it with it's this one uh as far as the rest of the card goes there's a couple of nice fights on there but what are some of the ones you want to go and highlight I mean, Josh, we just go one down at Brent Primus versus Benson Henderson. I mean, what a matchup. I mean, I guess after that Brent Primus loss in which, you know, he arguably won, they were like, nah, let's give you another fight. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy about that. You know, uh, Brent Primus is an interesting talent, uh, super physically out there, right? You know, he's he's definitely something special. And... Uh, and great jujitsu, man. I mean, that's his whole thing. I mean, great submissions, good, good great ground game, and I'm curious to see how he comes out and performs against a, a, a you know, a vet like Benson Henderson, man. Hmm. Yeah, dude. I mean, I'm a big fan of Brent Primus. I really feel like like the um the Chandler, like the first Chandler fight, really weighs down a lot of people's opinions of him. His jujitsu is fucking phenomenal, dude. He is phenomenal on the mat he is very technically proficient on the feet is he a world beater by any means no but he's very technically good he has a very very good chin not gonna knock him out it's not easy to wrestle against him it's not it's not very easy to go against Brent Primus I thought he won that fight entirely I thought that was a terrible decision um against Islam Madame excuse me against Islam Madamedov I believe is how you pronounce his name Mm -hmm. um and dude facing Benson man I really wish that they would give Benson I don't want to say a layup but this is a really tough ask for Benson after his last two fights. Obviously, he faced Chandler. That was Chandler's last fight in Bellator. He got KO'd. That was a fight that had he won, probably would have got a title shot. No dice. Fights Jason Jack. He tries to get back in there quickly. He tries to fight Jason Jackson, the ass-kicking machine. Doesn't go his way. Now he's facing a really, really tough guy in Brad Primus. I don't like that matchup for him. But let's hope he wins. Maybe he'll get a boost from his wife actually fighting on the undercard, Maria Henderson, making her MMA amateur oh. debut. So that's that's a deep cut down there. Uh, Henry Corrales is fighting in the opener. And then uh, shout out to a little banger. We talked about it last time. Yogam Shirov, I believe, did we both pick him? I don't know if we picked him, but I know we kind of like talked about how competitive he would be with Corey. Uh, we, we thought he would be competitive. I mean, he has a good skill set. Yeah, and he was competitive. He just ended up gassing out ended up getting taken down and – you know, so on and so forth. Taking on Carl Elbicktrin. Excuse me. Carl Elbicktrin. That's a, that's a bang. It's our, our Brexton. Elbrexton. Our Brexton. Oh, my God. I fucked, I fucked, I've said his name like three different times this show. Three different ways. And every single one was wrong. Uh, but, yeah, dude, that's a very good guy in his own right who actually, um, I don't want to say they're setting up for him to fight Nemkov. We're obviously ways away from that. But uh, I'm sure they will. Once up, they're going to push that at some point. Yeah, he, he beat Victor Nemkov. So, 
He already fought him earlier this year. He beat, beat the older brother. So we'll see what happens somewhere down the line. But I'm pretty sure it's a reserve bout if anything were, God forbid, to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, dude, overall, a pretty fun car, man. A very, very fun car for Bellator on Saturday night. Um, is there anything else we speak on on this one before we close out of it? I'll take that as a no. <laughs> um, so, Angel, there's... No, no, no. I, I was, I had, I was muted for a second because I had my dogs, my dogs working in the background. But I wanted to. Oh yeah, no, Lance. I know. I was just being a dick. I wanted to, I wanted to highlight Lance Gibson Jr. one more time, man. I mean, he obviously father Lance Gibson Sr. Obviously, his mother, who's now signed to the PFL. We, we went over this whole storyline with his, his mom being Julia Budd and his dad being Lance Gibson Sr. and his, his stepmom being Julia Budd and how she's in this corner and he's like she's her his coach and all that like once again very interesting story you know there mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's a very interesting story i'm glad you brought that one up um but dude we I, I think it's about time for us to go ahead and move on to it this uh dude this was tremendous there's no there's no other way around it i think you know we both had a certain level of expectation for this one I think we both kind of came away like we both picked different people. Uh, I know that I picked for you picked Wilder, but at the end of the day, we both just kind of wanted a good fight. I don't think either one of us were particularly rooting for one individual. Oh yeah, and dude, we got a good fight in Spain. Mm-hmm. In fact, I personally, since I've been watching boxing, this is probably the greatest heavyweight boxing match I've seen live. And even as somebody who could like, I don't consider myself a boxing historian, but I've watched a lot of. The great ones over the years. I put it up there as arguably one of the greatest heavyweight fights of all time, up alongside, you know, Bo Holyfield and, and so on and so forth. Um, this was a fucking amazing fight. Uh, Tyson Fury defeats Deontay Wilder via 11th round KO. Uh, for those, those that did not watch it at home, obviously Tyson, uh, well, excuse me, Wilder came out round one. He looked like he had a game plan, dude. Malik Scott, they talked a lot in the lead up about body work, and Deontay was going to the body. Going back to round two, dude, Tyson, he looked pink in the stomach. He, look, he looked a different shade because of all the body work Wilder was doing. Wilder continued to end of round two. Round three, though, Tyson storms back, dude. He drops him with a right hand near the end of the round. Deontay just barely scrapes it out of there. Round four, Wilder comes back, knocks him down twice, and it looks like, oh, my God, dude. He's going to do it. He's going to pull it off. In the end, they ended up going back and forth for the next few rounds. In round 10, Fury knocks down Wilder. At that point, it looks like, oh, Wilder's probably done. And then he storms back at the round at the end of round 10, puts together a nice combination pull. Fury on the ropes. Round 11, GG, no re. Fury knocks out Wilder with a huge overhand right to end the fight, dude. What were your thoughts on this fight? I mean, I just... Taking it all in, now that you've had some time to digest it, what were your thoughts? I mean, those two guys are undisputedly the two greatest heavyweights on the planet right now, man. I mean, the fact that they 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 met each other three times, they they came out and performed three times, and and uh, I mean, they're both so tough, dude. Both so tough. Both both come both getting knocked down in that fight. I mean, Fury getting knocked down in that, and Wilder getting knocked down in that. Let me tell you this, dude. A lot of people are gonna give credit to Wilder, I think. I feel like a lot of people aren't, like a lot of just, you know, average people aren't. But, man, you got to understand, dude, that guy got knocked down, came back, knocked the other guy down twice, and was extremely tired. I mean, his legs had been shot. His arms were heavy. He was getting outboxed, and he stuck in it for 11 rounds. I mean, no, very few people could have done what he did. A lot of other people would have gave up, and he kept going. He kept staying in it. He kept trying to land the hand. He was... Was was it working well? No, but for some reason he refused to give up, man, and and, and that just rebu- that 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 deserves a lot of respect, man, a lot of respect. Because honestly, I mean, not not any guy could have done what he did in, in the sense of being tough and, and still wanting to fight on and, and go out on his shield in the way he did, and and obviously he ended up getting finished, man, which sucks. And and you know that that's how this game works, man. I mean, you know, toughness won't always win you the fight, but he was really trying to just find his way back in it somehow. He wanted to go to distance regardless. He wanted to be in in the position to 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 feel like he did, you know, the most he could have, and not and not go out like he did in the previous fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and ultimately, dude, I saw you know this fight was interesting. Seeing the reaction online, 
there were really like two camps. I'm curious to get your opinion on this. There were people that thought it was like one of the greatest heavyweight fights of all time because, well, I mean, it was. Um, and then there were other people that were like, aha, Wilder, you dumbass. You know, you got what you you got what you wanted. You got knocked out. You didn't throw in the towel, blah, blah, blah. Is it just me or did Wilder's kind of in – I actually agreed with the towel being thrown in, by the way, in the second fight. I thought he had he was spent. But Wilder's whole point was like, if I'm in that fight, I have the right hand. I'm still there, no matter what. I actually thought Wilder's point kind of got proven in this third fight. Because there were multiple top Shit, dude. In going in that fourth round, everybody thought Wilder was fucked. Like, he had already been knocked down. He was already getting beat up. Going into the fourth round, he turns, he nearly went to fight. And as the fight progressed, yes, he was tired. Yes, he was taking punches. But he was still in there. He was still buzzing Tyson with shots. Round 10 was probably the best moment for him outside of the fourth round in terms of actual action, in terms of landing actual shots near the end of the round. He lands a massive combination, puts Tyson on the ropes. I actually thought his point got proven to a degree about him being unhappy with the fight being stopped because he always has that equalizer. What, what are your opinions on that? I mean, yeah, man, that's the thing. That's what we even said, man. He is dangerous at all times. I mean, the hand is always there. And, I mean, look, he it was going to be really hard for him to try to get all this boxing experience in, in such a short amount of time because he's such a physically talented guy and it worked for so long. And, uh, I mean, like you said, man, he's, he was still dangerous. And, look, he, he got outboxed. That happens. You know, he's not going to be the first. He's not going to be the last. But the man still has a stellar record. He's He defended the title multiple times. He knocked out so many opponents. I mean, and he's still, still a draw. He can still find himself in great positions and beat good guys. It's just that Tyson Fury, at, you know, is just better than him. At this moment in time, he's better than him. And look, we knew he's a, we knew from day one, we knew Tyson Fury was a better boxer. You know what I mean? We just wanted to see if Deontay Wilder could, could win it somehow and, and land his hand. He was never able to land it cleanly like he wanted to. He did in the first one, and it, it didn't end up going out his way. And, and then in the second one, obviously, Fury caught him, got the best of him. And, and in this one, he, he went the distance for the most part like he did. Obviously, there was one more round, but... Man, he, he showed a lot of stuff in there that I think you like, uh, that he's willing to grow, willing to change. And, and, and you know, we saw the results on that night. And the right guy won, and we know undisputedly who's the best heavyweight in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's a guy that has a uh, an argument to being the greatest heavyweight on the planet. So I'll actually jump into that right now. Um, I'm not going to ask if you think he's the greatest heavyweight on the planet. You kind of give away that you think Fury is. But I'll ask this real quickly. So Fury... Um, obviously, Usyk versus Joshua too. Joshua officially kicked in his rematch clause officially the night of Fury Wilder three, which I thought was interesting. Um, trying to probably take away from that fight to get the attention back on them, um, him and Matchroom. But so, um, Fury, he, I, I'm just to get your opinion. What do you think he should do? Because if he wants to wait around, he's probably not going to fight. There's fight a until. mandatory between. Dillian White and somebody else that's happening. I think it's Otto Valine. So there you go. Okay, so so yeah. Well, I guess you kind of... Yeah, I was curious if you think he should wait or he should fight the winner of that fight. But yeah, that's probably what's going to end up happening. And obviously, he'd probably win that. Shout out Otto Valine, though, for finding himself back in the mix, though. Yeah, and by the way, I'm very... um, intrigued. I think if the Fury that shows up against Wilder the third fight... Look, Fury admitted it. He was not his best self in there, partially because at a certain point, you probably get a t- opponent fatigue for facing the same guy multiple times. And also probably just overconfidence from this. He beat Wilder's ass so bad the, first, the second time around, excuse me, um, that um, he probably thought he can go in there and do work. And as a result, he got knocked down and nearly finished a couple different times. So I think he admitted it in that like he was not his best self in there. I think if that... Fury goes in there against White or Valine, we're going to have a hell of a fight. I think it's going to be a lot closer than what people think. Um, um, and obviously, we did see Valine fight him once before, and he gave a hell of a fight. So, uh, Although I would probably pick White in that one, but we'll talk about that one that actually uh, springs up, which will be on Halloween, by the way, so that'll be a lot of fun. Um, but lastly, uh, Deontay Wilder, dude. So, um, second loss in his last two fights, obviously both of them being arguably, you know, the greatest heavyweight on the planet, so on and so forth, both of them being knockouts. Uh, talked to uh, his head, people talked to his head coach, Lee Scott, said that he's actually looking to, he's actually looking to get back in there relatively soon. He said he's aiming, aiming for around March, April. Um, if you were to go ahead and match, first of all, are you cool with him coming back 
that soon after taking two complete ass beatings in his last few fights. And also, who would you match make him against? I mean, dude, you could throw him in there against literally anybody. You know what I mean? There's there's so many heavyweights. There's so much young talent. I mean, it, it it's dependent of what they want to do. And uh, shit, I don't know. They could, they could do anybody, man. It is it is a little quick. I mean, he's he's a big guy. I mean, literally anybody. You know. I mean, I don't even know if the is the Andy Ruiz matchup even possible. Would Andy even take that? Would would Deontay be even interested in that? You know, former former world champ, former world champ. You know, would that could they sell that somehow? You know, black versus Mexican. I mean, that's a market, man. You know, it's just the truth about boxing. That's a thing. Hmm. Yeah, fair enough. I think Ruiz makes a lot of sense, but also I gotta say, dude, I want to see. Deontay Wilder get I know people probably be pissed off about this, but I want to see Deontay Wilder get one to two tune-ups simply for the fact that like I think under Malik he showed legitimate boxing improvements. Now it was never going to be enough for where the two were at, right? For Wilder to make up the skill difference, even with Fury not being himself in there, the gap was just way too wide, especially with how the fight played out, dude. Like he. You're 40 pounds undersized. You're two inches smaller. You're against a guy that, like, is very, very good at clinching, underhooking, doing a lot of those small things in dirty boxing. You're not going to be able to make up that difference within the something like 16 months that he had. You're not going to be able to do that. Um, I don't think they're ever going to make a fourth fight between those two under any circumstances. But I would want to see what Wilder can do against top-level competition. Give him one to two tune-ups. Do the Ruiz thing. Ruiz fought Chris Ariel. Chris Ariel, tough guy, but he's a level down from the Ruiz's of the world, at least at this point in time, now that he's getting older and so on and so forth. Give Wilder one to two tune-ups. See what Malik Scott can do. Give him some more time to get more invested in the system seal for him to work more on fundamentals and do a lot of those things because I really liked what I saw out of Wilder, dude. Um, I think that the... Depending on how quickly he gets back in there, we could see Ruiz uh, somewhere down the line, maybe latter half of next year. But Wilder's, I mean, he's not young, but he's not old either. I believe he's 34. Um, so it, I think if he's going to want to actually shoot back for the title and have another chance, he needs to take a little bit of time fighting down for a minute. But that's just my opinion. Um, as far as the undercard goes, man, this is, there's a couple of different fights on there. I know we're very uh, excited about them going in. Go ahead and give me your quick thoughts on those undercard bouts. I mean, man, if, if Ajabe losing, man, I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought he was going to come out and win that. But he fought a very talented guy who obviously beat him. And Adam Kawanaki, man, he wasn't able to get it down, man. He found his demon, at least that heavyweight right now. A guy he can't beat. His his fury, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, put it like that. I mean, he, he got beat up twice. And like we talked about it, we thought because of that Areola fight, he might have... Uh, might have taken too much damage and got into the next one too quick and and just like that was just that was it and uh obviously you just can't get past this guy right now you know he's been legitimately beat been beat up twice now by him obviously he's gonna go back into the lab figure something out find himself in a favorable matchup again obviously he's a talented individual just didn't work out with him and obviously the young prospect and Ari Berlanga going through adversity in that fight and uh you know, coming out on top of that, I mean, that, that that's, you know, that's the main three ones that I think were important that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to go ahead and give my quick thoughts on those as well, just to start, start off with Edward Belonga, that was, obviously, going into that one, he had something, what, 16 knockouts, and, like, only one fight had actually gone the distance, and all those knockouts happened in the first round. I thought he was going to bomb the guy, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and I... I honestly was not that surprised because I'm not sure if you remember. This is the guy that um he fought Billy Joe Saunders on the Logan KSI undercard, and he gave oh, him a hell of he a was, fight. Oh, remember? he was the guy who went the distance too. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Well, he wrong. actually didn't go the distance, but he made it to like round ten. He got knocked out, but he was arguably winning on the cards when that fight got stopped. So Marcelo Caceres, bad motherfucker. So whenever they, made, whenever I saw that fight on the undercard, I'm like. Phew. That's a tough one. That's a, that's a tough fight considering that, like, yeah, he's had, you know, 17 fights, but none of them have been against very top-level competition, and most of them have been very early finishes, so he hasn't really had the experience of, like, going multiple rounds and so on and so forth. So I thought that was a rough-ass matchup for him. That was a good um, thing, though. That's what you want. Yeah, it was very, very good, though. It was good for him to actually do, do so. But, so... 
yeah, I thought that was a that was a good win by him. I think that a lot of people are going like, oh man, I can't I can't believe he got knocked down. I can't believe he looked bad. I'm like, dude, just because you don't know the guy doesn't mean he's bad. Like, like yeah. I like whenever I saw him on the box track, I'm like, really? That guy is who you're giving to like this this young phenom? Like, it's fine. he should win it, and he did. But like, it was it was a it was a good close fight, dude. Got knocked down in the eighth, I believe. Survived, but still, that was that was a hell of a fight, dude. Um. Just a couple other ones to touch on. Jared Anderson getting the nice win. I thought that was good by him. He needed that one. Robert Helenas, dude, that was a DQ, but, dude, he was whooping his ass. Like, he, he was he whooping got, that ass. He, he, was, he was disqualified, but Alan Kanaki wasn't even in that fight for – I don't give him – I did not give him a single round. Like, Wait, he ended up going to disqualification with the whole he, foul shit? I, I did go – I did leave for a bit. I have seen t- – okay, first of all, on Wiki, it's listed as a DQ – on their Wikipedia, like on their Wikipedia individual pages, it's listed as TKO. Box rec, I have not seen yet. TKO. I've seen is it TKO. Yeah. Okay, so well in that case, never mind. He TKO'd him, but it, it was originally ruled the DQ. But regardless, dude, um, hell of a job by Helenus. I'm not sure what's next for him. Um, he's only getting lost in the shuffle just because of all of this this weird stuff going on at the top of the division. But dude, good for this guy, dude. Good for this guy. Um, he was super hyped up one point in time. I know he beat Chisaroa, he beat Sherman Williams, Sam Peter, Lakovich back in like 2011. He beat some good dudes. He ultimately lost out after like he had a couple of rough losses there. They were just, they were trying to feed him to Kaunaki, knocks him out, knocks him out again. Shout out Robert Helenis, man. Shout out Robert Helenis. Overall, hell of a night of fights. Um, Personally, I watched this one, my local Buffalo Wild Wings. I know, Angel, you were talking about buying this one, but if you I bought did. it, then... Uh, <laughs> it was worth it. Yeah, it was well worth it. So, um, As far as boxing goes, as far as MMA goes, as far as anything goes, man, is there anything else we talk about before we close out the show? I mean, as far as anything happening this... I mean, Mike Mikey Garcia is coming back this weekend, man. After, this weekend? Yeah, after a year. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's coming he's coming back against a Sandor Morin, a Spanish boxer, 28 years old, 38-2 and two record. I don't know anything about the guy really, but he's coming back in uh, a Fury fighting this week against Christian Hammer. I feel like that should actually be a good bout. Honestly, yeah, it should be fun. Those guys are like on the same level, so I feel like that'll actually be good. So as as far as that, I mean that's coming up, and I would say this at the end of this month we have Dalian White and Ottawa Lean, like you said, and then at the start of next month, uh, Canelo Alvarez versus Caleb Plant trying to unify the titles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, it's gonna be very very big, like you said, dude, and. I, I was I didn't like it that we were talking about it because I thought we were gonna jinx it, but we're really I could feel safe after having a couple of these big fights that like we're getting there, dude. Like this boxing is closing out on a fucking amazing note. And there's more, man. There's still more, so it's not over. There's 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 some more coming. Like I, we talked about White Valine is happening later this month. She brought a Canelo, dude. I guess he was back this weekend. Mm. We're looking at uh, I mean the biggest fight. Tommy Fury, Jake Paul going out in November or December, man. Potentially, potentially. There's no com- It's not confirmed, but it's looking that way. Which, shit, Josh. I mean, that's gonna be a hell of a conversation when that comes up. We gotta, is, we gotta, we gotta hang out for that one. I think, I think we have to for this one, which is weird. Which it's arguably weird. we should have hung out for Fury Wilder, but I don't think we had to fully for that. We might have to hang out for MSG, Josh. I'm down. But, Shit, I was, I was, I actually, I got something to propose to you about the next pay per view because we got back to back pay per views. We might hang out for for both of those. We're gonna have to figure that out. Mm. Talk about that though after the pod. And I mean, obviously, man, we had another great show. Obviously, not not a crazy card this week, but it could be a sleeper, man. Mm, for sure, for sure, it'll be a fun one. I like a lot of the names on there. Like I said earlier, very very fun main card. Very slept on, but first of all, guys, hope you guys enjoyed. Um, I'm at Josh Evanoff on Twitter. He's at Angel Ortega underscore 01 at Court Sound 1 for all things related to the show. Hope you guys enjoyed. Peace and bye, Grease. Mouse click.